It wouldn't leave me alone. Wherever I went, there it was. I'd be reading a book, and there it was. I'd be mowing the lawn, and there it was. I simply couldn't seem to shake it. I couldn't articulate it, but other people saw it in me. People asked my mom if I was one before I was. My home congregation, looking back, was very supportive, perhaps too supportive. But really, wherever I went, there it was. I mean, just imagine, it wasn't very convenient. I was a kid, thinking about this. I was a teenager, and it'd be in my thoughts. I'd be out on a date, and this would come into my mind. Not fun. (laughs) Of course, I'm talking about my calling to the priesthood. But if we rewind 2,500 years, and we go to the book of Jeremiah, the first lesson today, we find another young man wrestling with a calling from God. And this passage from Jeremiah 1 is one of the most famous call stories of all time. But it also contains one of the most recently famous verses from Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. But famously, Jeremiah is this kid, this young man, from a Hebrew priestly family. He comes from a Jewish family, long line of serving in the temple. He has this dramatic vision where God speaks to him and says, Jeremiah, you will serve me. And Jeremiah's like, not interested. (laughs) Nope. And of course, what he actually says in verse 6 is, Oh, Lord God. Truly, I don't know how to speak from only a boy. God is not impressed with this excuse or this reason. And God declares, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. The rest, as they say, is history. Jeremiah went on to minister as a prophet of God for decades. But this is not a Hollywood movie where the bad guys are defeated, where Jeremiah emerges triumphant and goes home with the girl. The Reverend Dr. Catherine Schippendecker, who's an Old Testament professor, tells us how his 40-year ministry sorted out. Jeremiah's message did not endear him to his people. He was put into stocks, thrown into a pit, mocked and derided. Many people called for his execution on charges of treason. He was deeply unpopular. When he passed by in the marketplace, people pointed at him and laughed. Anyone want to be Jeremiah? We got one taker. To be, to be called is not necessarily to be successful. To be called is not necessarily to be successful. How many people have heard of Mother Teresa? Okay, Mother Teresa famously said, God does not require that we be successful, only that we be faithful. Turn to somebody and say faithful. 
Now, our popular culture sometimes seems a lot more interested in success than calling, in personal fulfillment than faithfulness. Have any of you ever experienced a calling? Okay, say a couple of hands. Because calling is not limited to preachers and prophets. A calling can come to anyone. Think of a calling as a burden, a need to do something, a pull toward a particular activity or a person or a place. How many of you ever had an experience like that? Yeah, a lot more hands. So think of calling more broadly. Even people who aren't religious, or say, I don't believe in God, they use the language of calling. They'll say things like, well, no, I didn't choose acting. Acting chose me. They're talking about a call. That's what they're talking about. A call in their life. A calling can come to a person at any age or any stage in their life. It's not limited to just one particular time. Now, calling is often confused with occupation. It's very confused for a lot of people with occupation. But actually, for most people in the world, at least a lot of people in the world, their sense of calling is expressed not so much in their job, but in their relationships. For a lot of people, their sense of calling is expressed not so much in their jobs, but in their relationships. Most people feel called to marriage or relationship. And a lot of people feel called toward parenthood. A job is not the same thing as a calling. A career is not the same thing as a calling. Or not necessarily, anyway. Now, there are some people who are blessed to have a close alignment between their calling and their job. But actually, there is a tremendous blessing in just having a job. A job that puts food on the table. A job that lets you contribute in some useful way to society. Nothing fancy. No high calling. Just good, honest work. How many of you know somebody who is good at their job? Hey, there are a lot of people out there who are good at their job. But if they won the lottery, they would quit their job. Do you know anyone like this? And on the other hand, there are people who know they are called. So whether they win the lottery or whether they retire, they are going to continue to work with kids or labor for justice or care for animals or whatever their arena of calling is. Do you know anyone like that? Yeah, I think of several people. To be a serious Christian, to be a disciple, is by definition to accept a calling from God. A calling to follow Jesus in every aspect of your life. Every aspect. So that all you do is an offering of love to God and neighbor. Not a perfect offering, not a flawless offering, but an offering up to God in love. Now, true or false statement, you tell me whether it's true or whether it's false. Uh, you only discover your calling through dramatic visions. False! False! I mean, that, those things do happen. But it seems more common for people to discover their calling or callings, because remember, you can be 90, you can be 49, you can be 9, and receive a calling. 
But people often discover these callings through trial and error. Or through a circumstance that just brings them into a new situation. Often calling is, is determined through a dialogue between the stirrings of your heart and the careful reflections of your mind. Calling is best determined and discerned in community. Whether we're talking about calling and occupation, whether we're talking about relationship and purpose, whether we're talking about passion and hobby, that is all best determined and discerned in community. As this family, spiritual family of St. John's, that's what we're supposed to do for each other. One of the things we're supposed to do is also part of the work of spiritual <coughs> friendships. If you're someone's spiritual friend, you help them with that. Discussing, determining, discerning their callings and dealing with them over life. Okay, now I need to tell some jokes because if I didn't, some of you would be upset with me. <laughs> some of you are going to be upset after you hear these. They're not much better than last week. So number one, I became a professional fisherman but discovered I couldn't live on my net income. <laughs> number two, I managed to get a job working for a pool maintenance company. But I found it just too draining. <laughs> yes, don't push me in the pool, please. <laughs> and number three, this is no better, just to let you all know. So then I got a job at the gym. They said I wasn't fit for the job. <laughs> yes. Some of you were saying, stick with your calling. <laughs> Move on from the jokes. <laughs> so eventually I did relent to my calling to the priesthood, and I found peace of mind. I had no peace until I relented to that. But the priesthood is just one form of Christian discipleship among many. Uh, marriage is a form of discipleship. Parenthood is a form of discipleship. There are a lot of others. So again, a priesthood is just one form of Christian discipleship. And like any other form of discipleship, it has moments where you feel fulfilled. And it has moments where you're just being faithful. And so if you're in a season of life you don't feel fulfilled, just make sure you're being faithful with God's help. My priestly life has brought me into contact with all sorts of people, all ages and stages, often at their highest points and also their lowest. And this is a privilege. But I've had some low moments in my priesthood too. There was a time where I almost walked away from the Christian faith. There was a time I thought I would have to do the unthinkable and renounce my priestly vows. But thanks be to God, due to the love of God's people and of God, they sustained me until I was able to take the mantle of spiritual leadership again. So when you're off the mountain, you're going through a dark valley, and you will if you haven't, and you will again, let God and God's people sustain you until a brighter day. You won't feel like it. I didn't feel like it. I didn't want it. I just want to retreat and get away from everybody. Don't entirely do that. Let people sustain you. And my brothers and sisters of my order, the Dominicans, they have been a great strength to me over all these years. But not just them. Lots of people have encouraged me. Both those that I've served and been served by. Some lived centuries ago. Some I was privileged to serve as their pastor. But a lot of people are people I just ran into along life's path. 
Now, if life allows, I have more miles to go before I sleep. Deco, the New England poet, Robert Frost. And so do you. You have miles to go. Some of you have more miles to go than I do. Some of you have less. In fact, we actually don't know, though, how the mileage will sort out. But we are in this thing called life together as a spiritual family, that is St. John's. And so whether we're together or apart, let faithfulness be your foundation and ours. And if success comes, a blessing. Amen. Amen.